Hello guys, welcome back to the shed. I'm, I'm running into a new episode of Culloden Home Bible Study. Um, the School of Christ, of course, is the subject of Upper Room Discourse, John 13-17. to And we're on to study number three. Uh, I've called it The Promise. Um, it's actually a series of promises, a most beautiful chapter. Uh, perhaps one of the most well-known chapters in the whole of the Bible. John chapter 14, with those beautiful words, Let not your heart be troubled. So we're going to focus on a lesson uh, on the coming and the comforter is how I've termed it but we'll see as we go down through this section uh, many beautiful nuggets of truth. Um, We're continuing to look at the last words of the Lord Jesus to his own on the night before he went to the cross and and we just stopped to think of that as we did on, on last Friday night when we were discussing it. It was great to see everybody that was able to make it. As as we were there and discussing these things, uh, we I really felt we got a, a little glimpse into uh, the, the stress that must have been in that occasion for those disciples. Just to find out that instead of setting up the kingdom, instead of coming to Jerusalem and, and, and it all being glory from then on in, it's going to be the very opposite in a sense. It's going to involve um, suffering and difficulty. And the Lord Jesus says to them, I'm going away. And their whole world starts to explode or implode, it may be a better word, um, and fall apart. The very foundation of all that they had done for three years was to be with the Lord, to be prepared by him. Um, but now they were going to come onto the new service that God has for them um, to to be light in a dark world, to be here in his absence. He's going to tell them how um, he will empower them by the coming of the Spirit uh, to do great works for him. Um, in fact, that very thought that greater works will he do than, than what have already been done and, and so on come out in this very passage. So, so this is a very key passage for us as Christians. Uh, we, if we needed a, a little manual of how to live in this world during this age, I say take thir- John 13 to 17 and really try to understand them and put them into practice in your life. And I, I think you can't, well, I believe you can't go wrong. Okay, so John chapter 14, uh, verse 1 to 32, 31 uh, the whole chapter, but um, I, I just want to mention a couple of things by way of introduction, and then we'll pray, uh, and we'll read our passage and think about uh, the little sections in the passage. We've already noticed in study number one that uh, the very first thing, if we're going to enjoy um, the Father, uh, in our relationship with the Father and the Son, uh, is that we, we're called to humility and humble service, and also we're called particularly to holiness, to cleanliness. Uh, you'll remember that whole subject about um, being washed all over and having your feet washed, and the importance in everyday life to make sure that, that not only you enjoy, you're in the enjoyment of the once-for-all washing that you received when you trusted the Lord, when you were had your a washing of regeneration in the words of Titus but also that that you are enjoying foot washing that the word of God is being applied to your life and your walk in everyday circumstances if you're to enjoy 
to have part, as he, the Lord says, with him. Not just part in him, but part with him. So that, that was the first study. The second study, we looked at another lesson. It was another um, object lesson, we might say. The first one was the Lord Jesus bending down uh, with a basin and, and washing the disciples' feet. The second one is the sop or the, the morsel. The Lord Jesus takes a morsel and offers it to Judas. And, and we have this symbol of, of Judas taking the morsel, uh, the sop, and yet refusing the meaning behind it. The Lord Jesus offering friendship, offering loyalty to him, even though he was being disloyal to the Lord. And we have this scene of love and hatred. That's what we saw in the second study Um and yet all the hatred in the world cannot derail God's purpose. The Lord Jesus says, I know whom I have chosen. The Lord knew exactly that he had chosen not only the 11 disciples who were, um, um, who were washed all over, but also the one who wasn't. And he'd already set himself against God, and yet he continued on that pathway. And yet the Lord still showed him love and so all the hatred of the world can't de derail God's purpose and he calls the the rest to be different to show genuine love one to another as a witness to the Lord so so this is the second lesson we have to learn in our life down here yes we must be marked by humility humble service and holiness uh, we must take the word of God and apply it humbly to the lives of other Christians looking out for one another loving one another uh, but really uh, also we, we must remember that the Lord will see to it that his work is done, that, that his, the overruling of God's purpose will not be thwarted by um, all the hatred of the enemy against him. And we are to show genuine love one to another and show the character of our Lord in witness. So that's study two, study three, we're on to now. Um, we're going to look at these promises. And, and I've, I've showed you that there is um, at least two promises. There's the, the promise of the coming of the Lord and also the comforter. Now there are others, my peace I leave you, with you. And we actually are going to find lots of little beautiful promises as we go down this uh, wonderful chapter really um, together. But if lesson one and two were object lessons, now we're going to have a Q&A session, question and answer. And that really helps us to understand, I think, the, the, the way to break down this passage that we're in just now. Um, you'll notice there's Peter's question. They come in at the end of chapter 13 from verse number 36. Uh, Peter asks about the departure of the Lord. Uh, he says, uh, more specifically, um, I'm reading now from the ESV just because it's near the hand. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And then he said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Uh, and you'll remember, um, he then goes on and says, I'll lay down my life for you. And we thought about that last week. Um, he wasn't really in the good of uh, depending on the Lord the way he should have been. And there was that uh, failure that would come in there. Um, but you'll notice how that starts. Questions about the departure of the Lord. So really what we have first of all is Peter's questions. They run from 1336 to 14.4. And it's all about the departure of the Lord. The Lord going away um, and so on. And then we have Thomas's question verse number 
Uh, five. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And the Lord's response, I am the way. And so on. So we have Peter's question about his departure. Thomas's question about the way to follow, as it were. The way to, to be with the Lord Jesus. Then we have verse 8 to 21. Um, Philip's question. Look at verse 8. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Now, it's not really a question, I suppose. It's just a, 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 a desire. A, he, he, he's really desiring the Lord to, do, to show him uh, the Father and so on. And we see a wonderful explanation. This is the, the longest answer to the questions uh, come in verse 8 to 21 with Philip's answer. Uh, question he needs to understand an awful lot about the lord who is with him and we'll think a little bit about that then from to verse number 22 we have another question um that is judas's question now it's judas not iscariot you'll notice he's now left um at the end of chapter 13 uh lord how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world so that's the that question it's about not so much the departure of the way, but the revealing. Um, actually, not only the revealing, that was Philip's question, but why not manifested to the world? Why is the Lord only going to be manifested to his own at this time? You'll remember that as far as these um, Jewish uh, disciples, apostles were concerned, they were jostling among themselves a few hours previous uh, about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. They were all waiting for the physical, literal, millennial, we'll say, um, mediatorial kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ set up on earth, uh, reigning as king and, and the nations uh, being crushed uh, that, that opposed God and, and the setting up of, of, of this wonderful, uh, eternal kingdom that starts in the millennium and will run uh, right into the eternal state, the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. We read about it in Daniel um, and so on well they were waiting for that to be set up and and now the Lord said I'm going to come I'm going to manifest myself to you uh, you're going to enjoy uh, appreciation of a father and so on and well this is something that uh, Judas um, can't really get his head around what, why Lord do you not just manifest yourself to everyone but of course this isn't the time for it and the Lord gives an answer he says that uh, there are those who love him, who keep his word, who will, in that sense, receive his manifestation. Those who won't, don't. Now, more can be said about that um, in other passages, such as Acts chapter 1, where the similar subject is taken up. But then finally, the Lord draws some conclusions from this little discussion, this back and forth discussion with the disciples. Um, he summarizes his teachings and so from verse 25 to 31, we have a summary of the Lord's teachings. He, he speaks again about his promises. He speaks about the paraclete, about his peace, about his new position uh, that he's going back to. Um, he gives a prediction, uh, verse 29, about <clears throat> what is going to take place so that they would understand. And then he he emphasizes his own purity the ruler of this world's coming has nothing in me and finally he gives his purpose of love that is motivating him 
he says, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And then he says, Rise, let us go from here. And so <clears throat> that's really um, a, a, an overview of this uh, chapter. We're going to read the chapter and then go through each of the four questions briefly. Um, and we'll see where we go from there. Let's pray first of all. Father, help us to understand your word, to be in the, uh, the enjoyment of it, to really appreciate um, the Lord Jesus and all that he really means uh, to thee and to us. We thank you for your kindness and your love. We pray for help to appreciate him more in the Lord's name. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so let's read the passage together. I'm reading from the New King James Version. John 13, 36 to 14, 31. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where, am I go where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name that will i do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name i will do it if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper or comforter that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. 
a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that, at that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, say to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear are not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, while being yet present with you. But the Helper Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that where, when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Amen. Amen. Okay, so very briefly, just a few minutes in each of these sections. First of all, we have Peter's question about um, the departure of the Lord. We, we've already looked at the end of chapter 13. We'll just pick up in the start of 14. No, notice how the Lord Jesus starts to speak. Let not your heart be troubled. This is the same word that's used earlier on in the chapter about the angel coming down and troubling the water. And, and in the earlier part of John's Gospel, um, troubling the water. And there's that thought of agitation in it. They were being agitated. They were out of sorts. The Lord was going to leave them now. They weren't used to that or they didn't understand that. <clears throat> and yet the Lord gives to them... Um, something of the greatness of his person even in the first verse he says you believe in God believe also in me you can see he's putting himself alongside God never in any of the other um, prophets of the Old Testament would they ever even dare to do this um, I was been quoting, quoting recently I, Isaiah chapter 2 where it says cease from man uh, whose breath is in his nostrils you cannot depend fully and entirely on any human being because they are fallible and they are dependent their breath is in their nostrils they depend on someone else so therefore you don't depend on them when it comes to eternal things you depend on the rock you depend on God and so when the Lord Jesus says to these people who were good godly uh, God-fearing Jews, these disciples, who had appreciated something of the greatness of who he was, when he says to them, now, now 
I'm going to go away, but I want you to trust me. I want you to really trust me the same way as you trust God the Father. Again, this is the beginning um, or something that we see throughout um, John's Gospel, which is uh, the claim of equality with the Father, essential equality. This is something that runs throughout John's Gospel. Um, we're going to look at a passage right at the end which, which speaks about <clears throat> the fact that the Lord Jesus is in a, um, or, or the Father is in a superior position to the Son. In, in the sense that he wasn't here, he wasn't um, without the outward display of his glory. That's the Son, the Son who had come in servant form and so on. So there's that sense in which the Father is greater it says at the end of chapter uh, 14 than the son he's going back to that place of greatness and so they should be thankful that the one whom they love so much is going back there and and he's going to say in chapter 17 glorify me beside yourself with the glory which i had beside you before the world was in other words he's going back um not the way he was before, but he's going back to where he was before. He's going back and taking manhood, true humanity, right to the throne of God. And he's um, going to be glorified as son at God's right hand. And so um, that's all in the background here. But the, the Lord says, now listen, I'm going back and you need to trust me. And it's essential during my absence that you realize that I'm completely trustworthy. And the next verse brings that out as well. In my father's house are many mansions. We had an interesting little discussion on the word mansions. Um, the word itself is the thought of dwelling places, abodes. Some have translated it rooms. Um, it's the same word where it says at the end of, uh, of this passage that the, that the whole of the Trinity is going to come and, and make their home with those who honour God and love him. Uh, and so there's this thought of a home. Um, we'll think of that more in a little while. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, the Lord is saying, <clears throat> you should understand me and, and appreciate me enough to know that if I was going away and there wasn't a place for you, I would have let you know about that. You should understand my person and my character to such an extent that you know me well, well enough to know I wouldn't have left you in the lurch. Uh, I lured you into a false sense of security. I go to prepare a place for you. Now we discussed this preparing of the place for you. Now I think uh, the best way that we can sum up what we said was this. That the preparing of the place involved both the Lord going via the cross and into glory. In order that we might be in heaven, uh, we need to be prepared ourselves. So people have often said, um, the Lord is going to the cross to prepare a people. He's going to uh, into the presence of God to prepare the place. <coughs> if he's in the presence of God, we can be in the presence of God. Because he is there as our representative. We're in him. And, and all those beautiful truths that come with that. However, I think here when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. It involves going via the cross. And we are to be prepared uh, by the death of the Lord Jesus 
by all that he does um, within the next 24 hours and then his going into the very presence of God the whole the very presence of him going into the presence of God and taking manhood to the throne of God prepares a place for us and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself this is the great promise that we have coming out of this uh, little section the Lord's faithfulness and his sure promise really is what we have in this little section he says I'm coming again I'm going to receive you not into those many mansions not into the even the father's house I'm going to receive you to myself we notice that this is one of the great distinctions between uh, the the personal aspect of the Lord's coming the the rapture and and the the more um worldwide aspect of his coming in manifestation uh, at the, at the manifestation of the Lord Jesus um in power and great glory when it when it comes to how the Lord speaks about this coming he is very personal he says i will come for you he tells us or uh, we read in first Thessalonians chapter 4 the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with shout he won't send anyone else there is no archangel or angel who will come for us no he will come himself he will receive us to himself what a wonderful thing to stop and appreciate that the lord is coming for us again so often we get so distracted in our lives that we forget the wonder of this so that's peter's departure what about thomas's question Sorry, Peter's question, his departure. Thomas's question, the way. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, I, I mentioned verse 4 is perhaps slightly better to read in, in the ESV than it is in the, in the New King James or the King James Version, uh, just because it stops us from thinking that there's a direct contradiction with what the Lord has just said. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? In other words, if we don't know where you're going, Lord... How is it that we know the way? It's not possible. You If you don't know where you're going, you don't automatically know the way. So this is the problem in Thomas's mind. And the Lord Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here we have the wonderful and yet strikingly difficult for this world to accept exclusive claim of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus exclusively claims to be the way to the Father. Now we have to just take it, first of all, at face value. This is not a popular truth. People, we live in a relativistic culture. We've been talking about this, that truth is relative. Everybody thinks truth is just, well, yeah, you can have your truth, I'll have my truth. But at the end of the day, um, nobody really knows and anyway everybody's truth is valid it's the next person's truth but of course that's not the way you look at truth truth has a capital T um, I, I might have my idea you might have your idea but we should be wanting to know what the truth is the overarching reality is and, and we live in a world that has forgotten that that is a, a real thing Whereas the Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if somebody says to you, well, that just seems just 
unfair. Why why would the Lord, why would God pick one religion and just run with it? That's the way they would speak. And you could just point out the fact that the problem is sin and the other ways that people have concocted don't deal with the problem of sin. Whereas God says, listen, I am going to deal with the problem of sin by sending my son. And he is a saviour from sin. He's the one who died on the cross. And because he died, there is a salvation, a rescue, a life belt. So we never think it's exclusive. If you throw a life belt out to save someone and you don't throw out a tennis racket, you would say that... You wouldn't say that, oh, that that's really silly. That you, you, Why would you throw out a tennis racket to save someone who is drowning in the water? You, you know why it's not good enough because it's just not designed for that. So when we look at, at, at what God has designed in his plan of salvation, once we acknowledge that we're sinners, there's only one saviour. There's even only one saviour that people acknowledge. You look across the world religions you don't have this kind of idea of someone taking away all your sins and paying the debt and the penalty for your sins himself and just trust and faith in him alone bringing you into blessing no every other religion has their little uh, rule books that have to be followed they've got maybe guys people that say they they know something more than the rest of them but none of them say listen i am the way the truth and the life and so the Lord Jesus is taking a unique place here and um, we know that he backs that up in what he does. Anyway, that's Thomas's question. Philip's question. We're on to the revealing. Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Now, I've left a few uh, headings um, on the first page of the handout. If you don't have the handout, of course, remember to contact me. Um, and Williamson01 at yahoo.co.uk if you need the handout. Um. yeah so on the handout we, we break this down a bit more we don't have time to deal with it we're running out of time sadly on the um, podcast but just to say this Lord show us the Father it's sufficient for us you see Philip realises that the Lord is very very special he says show us the Father but he hasn't realised just quite yet that the Lord is absolutely on equality with the Father. That he is, to see him is essentially to see the Father. Have I been so long time with you? Yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you not believe I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the work. This is the unity in the Godhead. Father, doing the works through him, speaking through him. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or believe me for the work's sake. And then he says, most assuredly, or truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these that he do, because I go to the Father. And what the Lord's saying now, to trust in me, will actually allow others to do the work of God, themselves greater works than he does i take a greater in geographical scope in magnitude in the sense that there'll be more people involved and um, to preach the gospel to thousands as peter did at, at, at um uh, pentecost 
and see many of them converted is, is in that sense a greater work than the Lord had done. Not greater as to the power involved or greater as to the person involved, but really greater as to scope. If you love me, keep my... Um, you know, that's, Lucy shows you say, if you believe me, the works that he do, he do also, um, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, notice that in my name now, so this is going to be the way things work in the new era. You're going to ask, speak to God, pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. In fact, um, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And of course, the in my name has qualifications. We can't stop with that now. But there's a great authority in the name of Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him. He dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And what we have here is the another promise, which is the promise of the comforter. The Lord Jesus uh, is going to go to the Father and request from the Father that he send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to not only be with them, like the Holy Spirit was with these disciples at this time, uh, to aid them and help them, and like wind filling the sails of a, a, a sailboat, um, move them forward. That's the way the Holy Spirit worked, it seemed, in the Old Testament. He came upon and he left and he was with and all these kind of things. But no, this is going to be a personal indwelling. Upon resurrection of Christ, upon the, ex, upon the ex, uh, exaltation of Christ, the, the, the Lord Jesus is going to send his Spirit into people's hearts. And, and the Spirit of God himself is going to indwell us. And that's what we see in our age. This is part of, of the beauty of, of New Covenant truth that we are in the good of. Uh, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now the Lord is personally going to the Father, but he's going to be essentially indwelling in the person of the Holy Spirit, um, the, another member of the Trinity. A, l a little while longer and the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And at that day you will know I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now this is the tremendous unity of being with God and in God and united to the, the very Godhead in our lives down here now. Now we never become God. That That's kind of, there are different religions and different belief systems that would have us becoming gods. We don't become gods. Uh, the Mormons would, would suggest this. Um, Eastern mystic religions have a different concept of God, but they have this idea of you becoming part of um, uh, Brahman or whatever. So, so that is not the thought here. The thought is a union, a close union of love and life and light that will exist in the family of God among those who are truly born again, as we have in John chapter 1. Anyway, so that's Philip's question. You'll remember, see how he finishes it, that little section? And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest not the Father unto him, but myself unto him. So now Philip has understood that to be man to have the manifestation of the Lord personally 
is to have the manifestation of the Father. So Judas's question, why not manifest uh, to the world? Um, that's his question, 22 to 24. Why is it, Lord, that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? I mean, after all, surely the world will need to know you. And the Lord doesn't give a lot of an answer here, just enough of an answer. If anyone loves me, keep my word. My Father will love him. We will come and make our home with him. So in other words, to appreciate God in this era, it involves a personal response to God. And then we will have light in our dwellings. We will have the Father and Son in the person of the Spirit coming and making their home with him. We will come to him and make our home with him. What a statement. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear are not mine but the Father's who sent me. In other words, for the person who doesn't love me, they'll, they'll just reject this. And they're not going to accept it. So they will not receive that revelation themselves. Um, finally, uh, the Lord draws some conclusion. He summarizes this uh, question and answer session. He speaks about um, his promises. These things I have spoken to you being present. But there's coming a time when, when the Holy Spirit will come and make those teachings real to you. So he speaks about the paraclete, the, the work of the Spirit of God, who will make these teachings real and bring them to remembrance. And so that we have the Holy Spirit now within us to do this very job. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. His peace. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. The peace in the world is fluctuating and changing. It's not stable and lasting. Whereas we have peace in uh, the midst of the storm in Christ. And nothing can rock that. Even if we don't appreciate it, we always have it. And he says, let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. So the Lord is leaving us in this scenario we're in. But he is leaving the person of the Spirit, the promises that he's given, and the peace that we have within to enjoy. He says, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. He says, if you, if you love me, you would rejoice because I'm going to my Father. He says, for my Father is greater than I, saying that his Father, in that sense, is in a position of greater glory at this point in time. The Lord Jesus has taken the subject place. He's not speaking about essentially the difference because clearly what we find is essentially the Lord Jesus is equal with the Father we, we can go to John chapter 1 John chapter 5 John chapter 10 John chapter 20 uh, where there's clear explicit statements of the equality of the Father and the Son but what he's speaking about here is I'm, I'm going back to that realm where, where the Father is in a realm that's fitting for his glory. And he is, he, his glory, as it were, is shining forth. And I'm going back to that place of glory. And so you should, because you love me, you should be rejoicing with me. Finally, um, he says, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world is coming. and has nothing in me. There's nothing in the Lord that will respond and can, can respond to the evil solicitations of the devil. He has nothing that he can hook his talons, as it were, 
into. But he says that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. You see, it's not going to be that the devil is actually, that darkness is overcoming light or anything like that. No, it's actually really just so that the world knows that I love the Father. The cross, in a sense, was no victory for the the forces of evil, for the darkness. This is your hour, the Lord's going to say. It seemed like a victory. But actually, the devil's going to have nothing in him. And that the, the reason for it all is that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father's given me commandments, so I do. And so he is fulfilling everything perfectly in the purpose of his love for the Father. Arise, he says, let's go hence. And they leave, I think, at this point, the upper room. Now, um, I've gone over time a wee bit there. I trust that it'll be a blessing to you. If you need to... Um, if you've only got a short time when you're listening to these podcasts, I suggest that you uh, speed them up. I find that a very useful thing to do. Uh, and I'll just leave it there. Thank you. Bye-bye.